Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Last Edit Podcast featuring yours truly, Silver Hawkins, and my wonderful friend, the great Citizen Slave. Hello there. As you may know if you've heard, listened to our podcast before, uh, this is a film podcast where every week Sleeve and I alternate between discussing films that we've chosen, and uh, this film, uh, I've uh, this time I've chosen uh, the film Day of, The Day of the Jackal, uh, which is a film adaptation of the novel by Fre- Frederick Forsyth of the same name. Um, we try to sort of go for films that are more that are lesser known than, than you'll see in a lot of other places that you won't really find a lot of reviews for or a lot of publicity for and try and sort of get eyes on them because there are really a lot of great films out there that don't get a lot of acknowledgement or, or recognition. Uh, and Absolutely. I think uh, I think The Day of the Jackal is one of them. Um, I think it's like in the suspense thriller genre or spy genre, I think it's one of the best films ever made. Um, like this is a movie that's, on a technical scale, is sort of a masterpiece, in my opinion. It's sort of like a, clo- a Swiss clock. Like, every every piece of it is so intricate in the way um, it's put together. Uh, just very briefly, The Day of the Jackal is a movie about a, an, a British assassin. Well, he's he isn't necessarily British, but he's sort of set mm. up to be British. Uh, he's an international assassin, and he's hired by the uh, French terrorist organization, the OAS, the Organisation Armée Secrète, uh, to assassinate Charles de Gaulle, the president of France at the time. Uh, because uh, the OAS are not happy with uh, Algeria getting their independence. And uh, basically he then starts planning and then sort of uh, implementing the steps to carrying out the assassination attempt on, on de Gaulle while the, the police then have to um, intercept and stop him. And that's basically the plot of the movie. Um, it's a very sort of slow-paced film. There aren't a lot of... There are hardly any action sequences in it at all. Mm. Um, a lot of it is really just the jackal doing prep work and sort of the intricacies of of the meticulousness of his planning. Like, and, and it's never spelled out. It's never explained through exposition what he's doing. It's just you have to figure it out. So when he goes to a a graveyard in Great Britain. And he goes and looks at the various various gravestones until he finds uh, the gravestone of a child who died two years old. You're led to believe, oh, okay, oh, he's actually, he's prowling for possible secret identities Hmm. that he then forges the papers for. He gets the birth certificate and then applies for a passport under that name. So, so yeah, I think there's just there's so many sort of setups and payoffs, um, and uh, and the ending, the way it's put together, and the way he sort of, like, the just the ingenuity of the, the solution that he comes up with for how he gets to the goal, is I think brilliant. Um, I think it's it really is just and and I mean, Cinnamon is is sort of one of the the auteurs of of suspense. Like, if you go to a a textbook on film, you will inevitably see High Noon in it and the way High Noon uh, sets up its shots in terms of like the focus on clocks and suspense and so forth. Mm. And there are a lot of the same tools used in Day of the Jackal in terms of building suspense, especially in the sequence towards the end um, with, with the assassination attempt on the goal. So yeah, I just think this movie is is brilliant. Um, like it's... 
it's so slow, but you're still at the edge of your seat throughout. Hmm. I don't have many quibbles. We'll get to them, uh, but it's been a very long time. I've only ever seen it once, but I used to read the book because my dad it was always kicking around um, and my dad's book collection. So I've, I've read the book before I read the film once. And yeah, Zimmerman, I mean, I, I adore High Noon. I studied it for a long time because it's one of the very few real-time films. You know, the, exist, the, the, yeah. the diegetic nature of the, of the film runs alongside the actual real-time of the film, which you don't get very often. No. Very, very yeah. rare. But you're right. The way that Zimmerman holds shots and features things like clocks and, and, and the way he frames characters is, is particularly unique to him. And it's been copied so many times afterwards. You know, he was at one time, you think of like From Here to Eternity, one of the great film directors. Yeah. It's only later in his career. Um, a bit like Billy Wilder and a few other directors of that ilk, um, they ended up kind of being shunned a bit by Hollywood, which is a real shame. Yeah, but absolutely. This, this film is, is great. I mean, the pace is something that... It's going to be unfamiliar to a lot of people. Yeah. You and I have watched a lot of films that have a very deliberate pace yes very specific very um weighty in the way it holds scenes and holds shots and has long takes which again is something which we don't see a lot in modern cinema certainly modern hollywood cinema at that the best thing about this film for me are the two principles they're absolutely brilliant yeah edward still in fox. fox yeah Ed- edward fox is there was plenty of casting calls for this film. Roger Moore wanted to be in it. Um, Michael Caine. There was a lot of big actors at the time. Yeah. But the, Zimmerman just didn't think that they that they would bring too much of their own personality to the role and overtake what is supposed to be a methodical, brutal, cold, isolating character who is you supposed want, to have some charm, but not to that extent. You want to know a funny story? I saw an interview with... Um with Edward Fox about how he got the part and he told he said that uh, Cinnamon had seen a play with him and in the play, in he, play he had uttered a line like um, women are never at fault or something and then Cinnamon had told him any actor who can make that uh, line sound believable is the actor I want <laughs> <laughs> that's light I like that as a nice anecdote definitely <laughs> oh that's great but yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, and the other principal is, is of course, Leapin, um, who is played by Michael Lonsdale, who would later go on to be Drax in Moonraker, for instance. You know, he's in a lot of uh, very cool films. Yeah. Um, but this is one of his earlier roles. And his um, subordinate is Jer- uh, J- J- Jacoby, Derek Jacoby. Yeah, in a very early a, role. A very early role. He'd later on go do all kinds of I wonderful theatre yeah. actor, I Claudius, Gladiator, Caligula. I mean, loads and loads of awesome stuff. And the. the this film does, which not many films do. It, first of all, it's the obvious, let the audience actually be intelligent and figure things out. So you're not going to find audible cues when something's going to happen. You're not yeah, going to find no, levels of exposition. Like, the only exposition in the movie, basically, is, is the in the prologue. Yeah, the opening. Yeah. That basically yeah, exactly. says, this is the OAS, they tried to kill the gold, they still want to try to kill the gold. Yep. Let's go from here. <laughs> yeah, and, and that narration lasts about, what, three minutes, five minutes? Yeah. And it's gone, that's it, done, into the film. And, and we should say as well, this is essentially a um, another one of those kind of alternate histories. Now, that's what the book is. It, it, the, the, the assassination attempt we see at the start of the film did take place. Yes. And de Gaulle was indeed very uh, against any kind of control over where he could go. So the, the, those elements are entirely true. It just they decided that they would, you know, take it in a different direction with another uh, assassin, the jackal. Yeah, and the, but, I mean the opening also just 
brilliantly constructed. Like I think mm. one of the best openings in in film history. Um, just in terms of the suspense of that whole assassination attempt. It's one of the few parts of the film that has a score as well. It's, it's yes. incredibly light on music, and that one is quite oppressive. Yeah, the music as it opens. It really suits what they're trying to set up. But the whole film, for me, what it comes right down to is not treating the audience like fools and allowing them to see two characters at the absolute top of their game, incredibly intelligent, trying to outthink each other. And we don't see inside their minds. There's no point at which, you know, Lupin um, sits down, explains his methodology. We're just supposed to understand that these are incredibly intellectual people in in their particular um, yes. fields and they understand what they're doing and they're outsmart. It's a classic spider and fly. Yep. But it's done with such um, yep. panache. I think it that the whole the whole way through the film you're constantly seeing then creeping cloper. Leaping is creeping cloper. Bit by bit he's finding clues and elements that pull away, pull bits back, working with other agencies at I international mean, waters. Yeah. I think that's probably one of my favorite elements of the film is it's it's depiction of actual police work. Like actual yeah. investigative. It's not like uh exciting, super exciting stuff. It's it's like sending three hundred people to dig through ten thousand pages yeah, of archive yeah. of archives yeah. where they have we're, to sit we're not through talking for legal like weapon here. eight or ten hours <laughs> just rifling through papers to find names to correspond with a list. Exactly. <laughs> and that that's the, that's the, the busy work, work, is it? Work? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um and that's that's sort of the painstaking extent that this film goes to in its attention to, de- to detail. Um, and I just... Well, there's a, tr- a truthfulness to it, isn't there? And yes. you don't... It's the it's almost a diametric opposition to, to a Bond film. Yeah. You know... I mean, it's, the, the... it's basically the diametric opposite of its later um, remake, uh, The Jackal oh. with, with Bruce Willis and Richard Gere. And Richard Gere, um, yeah. We don't and talk sadly, about Sidney that Poitier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a, not a good film. <laughs> no, no, especially not, not compared film. to this one. Um, no, and it's no, basically I mean, it's basically the antithesis of what this movie is. Um, yeah, it tries to do what Hollywood wants it to do, which is to be a high octane action thriller, which yeah. is not what this film all no, the is, is about. Sl- at this all. is a slow burn thriller. thriller. Um, Very much so. And as you said, it's not about it's not about the action. Although when that happens, it's telling and brutal. Yeah, it's much more to do with. The setup, the planning, the thought process, and that's something that we don't see in a lot of modern films to tackle this. Maybe something like um, a modern equivalent would be Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, something something of that ilk. Yeah. Not the same, but certainly you know of a slower pace, a more yes. thoughtful, um, more cerebral, far more cerebral, exactly. But there are so so many amazing moments in this film. I yeah, mean, I mean, one another one, like sort of the jackal sort of um, mirror scene of of. Um, of the police going through the archives is when he's trying to come up with how to kill the goal. And he basically just has a brainstorming session on his couch. Yeah. While he's drinking a bit of scotch or whatever, or bourbon or whatever. Um, and he's just sitting there with a notepad, like how, when, where, mm. and he just gradually, he crosses them out as he figures them out. And then you start to see how he starts to sort of um, pull these things together and put this plan into into action, and that and that I mean that whole process of each step along that path is just yeah. enormously interesting. Well, it's, it's uh, uh, obviously so. We start with the, um, the 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 leader of the OAS being found out, as it were, and then being yeah. arrested, um, and he's executed. Yeah, despite uh, the fact that he asserts that no French soldier will ever 
Yeah, this rifle will ever kill me. I mean, it, it's worth it's worth pointing out for historical context that the OAS was a real terrorist organization, and this yeah. was not just a terrorist organization. This was not just a group of guys sitting <laughs> in, a, in a basement somewhere deciding they they didn't like the government. This was yeah, these these weren't anarchists. This, this was actual terrorist this, group. Yeah, not not only that, they, this was the French army. There were por yeah. portions of the French army who wanted to instigate a military coup within the yeah. country because. France had um, decided to grant Algeria its independence, and a lot of French soldiers had died in the Algerian conflict, and so mm. there was a sense that they had died for nothing. And this discontent spread throughout the army. Uh, it was um, very deep rooted for the time, very yes. incredibly so. Divided the country to a great extent, yeah. and uh, there were countless attempts on De Gaulle's life. Like yeah. I've. <laughs> like it was basically like uh, reading um, the CIA uh, book on Fidel Castro. Uh, <laughs> yeah. In terms of like just just the sheer the volume. amounts of times I tried. Yeah. Uh, but thankfully, never managed to carry it out. Uh, though, like as as indicated by the, the opening sequence of this film, they did come scarily close at one point. Yes, an inch. one inch away from his head. Yeah. Yes, not only that, not only an inch away, but. A, very talented driver who basically saved his life by maintaining control of the car. Yeah, because no one was injured in that particular attempt, were they? No. Which is staggering. Yeah. Because it's almost like a, a they fired over Tommy gun scene. Fired over yeah. 150 bullets, yeah, into the yeah. car. Just miraculous. Yeah. Bloody lucky. <laughs> but yeah, I you know, th there are moments throughout this film that are just so well poised. The, the opening meeting when... The jackal first meets the, the the now heads of the OAS who who are you know they're hiding in yeah. Austria is it, and they they get this short list of these dossiers of these people they think can carry out the assassination and they land on what would become the jackal, and just that first meeting, he is unnerving a touch, because he's so cold and calm he's suave though as well but an almost distant yeah, think, suave we're not yeah, talking like I a bond here. No, I think what I really, really like about Edward, Edward Fox's casting here is that, yeah, he's suave, he's handsome and all that, but he has a face that's extremely forgettable, all the yeah. same. But if you saw yeah. in a crowd, he wouldn't really stick out. He, and he's, he's very understated with that as well. Yes, helps. like he's not memorable at all. You're like, you, you meet him and you'll have forgotten about him five minutes later. And that's, well, yeah. I mean, that's the perfect face for an assassin well, yeah. or a spy. Or, or Mike <laughs> Bond, who's the most famous spy in the yes. world. Who should be a famous exactly. spy? You've you've exactly gone against what you should do. But yeah. yeah, he he's wonderful in this role, and the most poignant moments for me with him are the process of creating the tools by which he is going to carry out the assassination. Um, so the the gunsmith, the forger, which yeah. we'll talk about, and also then the cold and brutal moments when he knows he has to kill someone. Because yeah. they 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 found him out. They've identified him. They're blackmailing him. You know, whatever it may be. And the talent and with just... which he's, he's able to seduce people. Yeah, draw them in very calmly, very collected, and then just be brutal in, yeah. in a heartbeat. And, and, and I think that I think it's worth because we've we've talked a lot on these podcasts about violence and like um, the need for sort of graphic violence. And this is a film that mm. where the violence is very low key. Uh, like there's no blood at all. No, no, no. But but that doesn't make it any less terrifying. Well, because this though. guy can kill you with his bare hands. This yes, isn't precisely. You know, 
It's literally he can literally punch you in the throat and you're dead. Yeah. He knows exactly where to kill you in the most easy way. The, the, you know that, and that's what an assassin is. An assassin doesn't want to cut someone open in a samurai sword and leave blueprints all over the room. Yeah. They want what they want it to be done in the most quick, simple, and easily hidden way they possibly can be. And he does that throughout the film to great effect. Yeah. Uh, and on the flip side, then we've got Leaping. Such a, it's. It's quite a pleasure to watch a character who is so insanely intelligent. Yeah. Trying to counter and figure out everything that Jackal is doing. You know, um, when he first is called in to meet the cabinet. And we should say that the French cabinet is, we should say that the, the cast really is like a who's who of British TV stars of the time. Absolute ton of them everywhere from from all kinds of sitcoms I used to watch when I was a kid, which is really so the cast is really quite robust, but at the same time, uh, not so known to most people who'd be watching the film. I wouldn't imagine apart from a few. But Leapin is just amazing. There's so many scenes in like the first cabinet meeting where he's listening to them. He's starting to understand the, the situation and yeah, what the he's gravity going to, have to deal of it. with. The gravity of it, exactly. And, and then the authority that's being vested in him. That, like, yeah. Like he tells uh, his assistant, Doug Jack, Jack Jacobi's character, it's like, next to the president, we are the two most powerful people in France people now. In France now, <laughs> yeah. Which is amazing when you think yeah. about um, what he has to undertake and yeah. the resources he's given. Yeah. Like every department is, is uh, his bequest. Subordinate to him, yeah. Whatever he needs, he gets. And we go through this whole process of him chipping away at the jackal's identity bit by bit just chipping away ever so slightly until the veneer starts coming off yeah. and it's done with such restraint most action films or films of this ilk at some point would force the character's exposition on you force the character's methodology on you yeah have some kind of elongated emotional moment with yeah, that yeah, yeah like a eureka moment Exactly. Oh, I know. I figured it out. Yeah. And you simply don't get that because his thought process is way too complex. Yeah. We can't dive inside and work out, okay, so he's now figuring out. He's contacted the the Brits and the Brits have identified this guy who'd gone missing for a while. Then they find that his passport is there still. So they know he's forged a passport and all these bits and pieces just start linking together and adding up. But the beauty of it is the jackal is being fed information by someone within the French cabinet. Yeah. And he just is one step ahead. And at, at the, no, as we're near the end, he's he's a, a fraction ahead. Yeah. No, not, you know, not this great move he's made, just these tiny little steps where he's just about managing to get away and, from this ever-increasing police force. And he's not, I mean, he's not infallible. Like in... In the one scene, no, no. the one scene in the film where he falters is where he he hasn't had enough sleep and he goes driving and then he yeah. ends up in a car accident, like just randomly. <laughs> yeah, and he the other guy um, is killed. Yeah, and then he he spots a couple's car who are off um, making out in the woods and he swaps the license plates around. He just seems to find a way for for a long while anyway of getting out of little situations. But that one in particular is the only one where you think. He screwed up here. Yeah. He obviously, he didn't plan for this, so he's got to think on the fly. And I think that maybe that's, that is why the sequence is there, to show yeah. that he, he, not everything able, is planned. He oh, he's able to improvise. Yeah. Exactly. And that improvisation is what then pushes him through to the final part of the film. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, let, I want to talk about, like, the gunsmith. and the, the gunsmith is great. Oh, yeah. Um, he's 
He's a famous comic actor. I, d- I can't recall the name now, but he's been in a lot of other films um, um, in like the 50s and 60s. <clears throat> and um, just that, that meeting where, he, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's like what, how you would imagine a gunsmith to be. He's, um, he accepts these kind of plans um, from the Jackal, this intricately developed gun that needs to be hidden in pipes and, and can yeah. be concealed with ease with this wooden truss that he kind of leans on. And um, I just like their, their their relationship. It's Again, it's not overstated. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's mu- like mutual respect and competence. Like exactly. The... And he and he's not in it very long. No. Um, and the same with the um, the Forger. Uh, I really quite like the, the, the two bits with the Forger. Yeah. The, forger's, the Forger has got a sense of arrogance about him. He thinks... Yeah, he has no idea who he's dealing with. Yeah, so, so so before we talk about the second one, the first meeting, yeah, it's basically him wanting forged passports and documents to be able to be this other person so he, he he's not caught. Yeah, and so he can set up all does, these different identities that he can get. Yeah, and, and he does that, but he's got original um, photographs and stuff that relate to that forgery that the Jackal wants back. So they agree next time they meet, they'll exchange the money and be back. But then the forger decides, you know what would be a great idea? Great idea. Blackmail an assassin, just just great idea, but best thing. To I mean, do he right doesn't now. know that he's an assassin. To be fair, he doesn't. He, he doesn't, just, and he thinks it'll be fine. He'll get yeah. away with it. But he just straight up murders him. He just kind of chops him in the throat. Down he goes. He doesn't just. Dead. I mean, not, not, not just about. Is it like that, two but moves? He, mani- or he manages. He manages to sort of get out of him first. That no, this place is completely isolated. No one ever comes. No in one here. will know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I can just I kill you here, here safely with no one with no witnesses. Yeah. It's like things just fall into place for that particular sequence. But yeah, then he, he um, takes out that chest case thing, hides the body, puts all the shells back in. <laughs> just uh, It's like Agent 47 almost. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's using the tools around you in the most stealth effect way possible. Yeah. Um, so I, th- I thought those two characters were really cool. Those, and it's what you get in but the are, and there's, I mean, And they are sort of opposite of each other, where one is just the... like. The pure professional, and the other is the one, the sort of the grifter, the wheeler dealer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Trying to get more from the situation than he really should. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just well, it's a shame. It is a shame. I did quite like his uh, tenacity, shall we say? And but, I, mean, I think that there's a subsequent scene after that that also shows sort of just the the jackal's attention to detail because of the way he hides his gun. Where he basically takes what is it like the exhaust pipe up from underneath the car? Yeah, yeah, he gets it into a it. garage, doesn't he? Yeah, mm. and he saws off the exhaust pipe, hides the like the pipes hiding the rifle, hides that into the pipe of the exhaust, and then welds the exhaust back on the car, back onto his car. It's almost a perfect fit that as well. Yeah, <laughs> is it snugly fits inside? But yeah, everything is set up so uh, so well for the for the coming sequences. Every seed is planted, before, you know, when it needs to be. Yeah. There's no. Um, we've talked about this with a couple of films before. Yeah, um, there, there's Crossing. no fat. There's no fat. Exactly, Miller's Crossing being one. It, it, there's no fat. Everything is there for a purpose, and you need to watch what's going on because I'll tell you now. For if for newcomers to this film, there are a lot of. You only really need to be aware of the main principles and a few others, but there are a lot of characters. Yeah, in there a are. lot of places saying a lot of things. And they'll bounce between. And there are a lot of acronyms for like security services and whatnot. exactly like, who's yeah. the MI five, who's the MI six again. Yeah, and yeah. you can even get confused, I guess, if you don't pay proper attention, because a lot of the British actors are playing French. Yeah, and the problem with that is some of the actors 
sound French. Some of the actors don't sound French. So <laughs> someone coming in who's not really a fan with what's going on will be, I don't quite get why there's French accents, they're not French accents when we're in France. And yeah. this is the French cabinet. So that's a little bit of a weird one for people maybe coming in. And I can understand that's why. True. You're not... It's 1973. You're not going to be able to um, assemble a French cast that would be relatively well known at that kind of period in time for, for, a, for a political thriller, as it were. You know, you'd need to find something else. I mean, the film was also produced and made in Britain, as far as I know. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it was. I wonder, I wonder what like a, a teenager would think of this now. You know, just in terms yeah, of I pacing, mean, that, that's how they deal question. with it. Because I feel like, I mean, you know, like for instance, Endgame's just come out, you know, the, the, the typical big Hollywood blockbuster, everything moves 100 miles an hour, there's no real thinking time because the film is doing it for you, you know, there's no need to, to um, sit there and, uh, and ponder because there's no pondering to be done. Whereas this is a, an old school film that really sets out its stall and then gives you the conscious wiggle room to be able to... Yeah, to connect the dots yourself. Exactly, you know, and properly ruminate over what's happening rather than being told everything. Uh, I have to say I quite like Jacoby in one of his earlier roles. I think yeah. he... Uh, He's quite good as the um, the kind yeah, of down is. the nose, down the line assistant to to Lupin. But in my opinion, I, th I just think Michael Lonsdale that moment, steals... that moment when he calls the uh, the MI five. Yeah, chief, like at uh, like one. Can you one just in the take morning? the call? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to disturb you. Oh, and even when that chief then takes um, the call from the, uh, the from the French and is like, rah, rah, rah. oh, yeah. sorry, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're important. Ooh, doo, doo, doo. Yeah, I'm uh, that, I mean, I'm pretty sure that was the prime minister calling. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just uh, you after, know, after the, uh, the MI5 practice. chief got called to Downing Street, and then he goes to like yeah. the chief of MI6, I think it is, and says, "No, we have to we have to get together on this to figure out who this jackal guy is." And the MI6 guy, no, this is just, like, French. And then the phone rings, and yeah, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The shit's really uh, hit the fan. I'd better be calm about this. Um, another very interesting point, which is, I think, when the film turns a little bit and kind of picks up its, its pace, is when Jackal is... He's being chased by now. He's being hunted. They know who he is. They've spotted his car. They know his license plate. And he's he's already painted the car once after its crash. And Oh, before the crash even. Um, let's get another car. That was a waste of time. <laughs> but he, he's now uh, dyed his hair. He's, he's, try, he's trying to play it as cool as he can to get to his destination. And he gets on a train. And he meets a woman. Uh, oh, no, it's in the hotel first, isn't it? No, yeah, that, that's the hotel. That's that's hotel. Be, that's before he even oh, dies. Oh, the train is later. Yeah, yeah. He meets this woman, this lady. Can't remember her surname. And I think it's they, like Madame de Fanier or something. De Fanier, that sounds quite right. And they they kind of um, meet um, in the in the, like the lounge, have a little conversation, and he ends up sleeping with her. Or we we think that's what happened because we only see the kind of after shot. Oh, well, we, we were, told, the we're room. told, and we also told that that's what happened later on. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, and, and we no yeah we see we see them lying naked in bed together. Yeah, we have that one shot for a bit, and that's what kind of starts making um, him unravel a bit in terms of um, his identity and where he is, because they realise he's been at the hotel. They question her. She says she's never met him before. She lies about being with him, but then later on, um, that kind of unravels a bit because they go to her house, and this massive manhunt is underway. And then the police leave her house, and a bit later, he appears. Just appears. 
uh, and she she really likes this guy. You know, he's mysterious and dangerous. dangerous yeah, it doesn't matter what even she even says. It doesn't matter what you've done, but tell me what you've done. Um, that that attraction to to to, to the um, the dangerous side of life, and he sleeps with her, and then straight up kills her. Yeah, leaves her dead on the bed, and that's the moment at which I think the film kicks into its final act. No, yeah. it is. He steals the car, her car, because, it, because that's also the moment when it shifts. When there's no longer secrecy for the police, they don't have to yeah. keep the investigation. They put the photo anymore. out there now. Yeah, because yeah, now exactly. it's a murder investigation. Yeah, all of a sudden, which because, definitely helps. Because them, I mean, she, but... she's she's not just an unknown forger in in Italy who's got who got buried in a suitcase. She's a yeah. a rich French noblewoman. Uh, yeah, a prominent figure who would yeah. be you know obviously known and therefore you have to act upon. So that's when it kicks into a bit more of a faster pace. And it's also when we start getting more of his, uh, well, off the cuff kind of spy antics. He then he dyes his hair. There's that bit where he's constantly getting asked for his different documents as he's driving through um, into France for the first time um, in that in that end sequence. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's it's really interesting to me. Every time he gets away with something, there's this really cold, ever so slight smile, as if like. I did that. Time to move on. There's yeah. so something about it. It's quite sardonic, you know. I've, I've killed that person. I've got away with that. This person is staring me right in the face and has no idea what's coming. Just oh, plays that role so very well. Yeah. And I mean, they, later on, he seduces um, another guy, uh, another man uh, in a gay relationship, and he does this. He he seduces um, the French woman. And uh, the homosexual guy, because yeah. he has to stay off the grid. He has to stay away from hotels because hotels lock their their guests, and the police are collecting all these guest locks in order to um, to match them with with the names they have of the identities they know that the yeah. jackal is working under. Um, so that's his way of staying off the grid is basically to to shack up, seduce, and shack up with someone else. And for for a little while, it's it's her, and then it shifts to being uh, the other guy in Paris um, when she gets to Paris. Uh, who, who he, of course, kills as well. Um, as soon as um, the guy realizes from the news report that it's the jackal stood next to him, yeah, he, he gets down as well, very brutally. And cut. We don't even see it. We just hear a smack, and he's down in with that cut-off yeah. side of the kitchen. Um, he does that really well. I think Zimmer, a lot of directors do it so that you always see this violence. And, you know, I love this stuff, so do you. But... When it's refrained and when, when it's minimalist, it can work. And when you yeah. hear the yeah, when you hear the sound, you don't see the action. It's often far more effective than actually seeing the when action. When it's implied, yeah, yeah. I mean, Reservoir Dogs is a classic example. So many people I speak to who've seen that film swear blind that the ear was cut off. No, it wasn't. You'd never see that. It's all about the action, the shot, and the way your imagination takes over from the scene. Yeah. Sometimes, but he does that throughout this so so very well. I mean. Quibbles then, a few quibbles. I'll get to the ending, but a few yeah. quibbles. One quibbles the music because there's barely any of it. I can I understand act- why. Yeah, I actually like that. Um, the fact that there's barely any music that it's that it is so minimalist in its approach. I think mm. that actually is a large part in how it builds suspense. I think my problem with it is that it's not that it's so far few in between, it's that it doesn't, nothing really suits the ambience of what's being created visually. Right. Apart from that opening score for me. Um, 
as you said, I don't want audible cues, which is which is what music is often used for, and you know, emotional yeah. cue, because this film doesn't need that. But I just think it could have done with something more, a little, maybe I mean, one totally single, fair. one single prominent theme that maybe recurs here and there, something like that. My other quibble is the fact that you do have this mixture of um, watching again for the first time. Sometimes I didn't know where I was, and um, but you know, you know who I am for Christ's sake. I follow complex films very well, but sometimes I didn't quite know who where I was. I didn't quite know whether, as I mentioned before, because the the use of British voice actors with a smattering <laughs> of other nationalities, especially French. Sometimes you don't quite know, like suddenly, okay, we're in what, Italy now? Was that, okay, not France, right, okay, Austria. So it's, it doesn't, and yeah. again, that's simply to allow us to, to ruminate ourselves, you know, to think about it, rather than be upfront about things. But I would have quite liked more title cards or something, just something to go. Yeah, I think, uh, uh, yeah, France. I, I mean, I think, I, did, I didn't really have that issue, but I think you're right that the film might be too cerebral for its own good. At times. Yeah. I just think a newcomer coming to it, is going to be a little bit bamboozled by the sheer amount of stuff, it's things, very and places. Possible. Yeah, you know. But apart from that, I, I, maybe we could say, or I could say, that at times there are moments when the pace is too slow. At times, but not many. I just think it's a film that you're either going to click with, yeah, and the flow is going to get you, or. It's yeah, I mean, th- certainly, certainly, there are a lot of people to whom this film is just going to be too slow, or th- yeah, it's going to be boring. Um, if you can't handle Blade Runner because it's yeah, too no. slow, yeah, no, you're not going to handle this. You're, you're uh, not going to handle this because the the pace is deliberate, yeah. so deliberate, and uh, a lot of modern audience might find that difficult to deal with, given you know what we see now in in the way pace of movies pick up and move. Yeah, I want I want to talk about the the whole end sequence because yeah. it's bloody fantastic it is and the, and the end sequence does actually also use music where the Marseillaise plays a very very prominent yes uh, it does part. so de Gaulle is giving a speech there's this big parade a military are out um, there's things happening on the street there's thousands yeah, there's of people the Champs, the down the Champs du Lycée yeah yeah the main street and, uh, and everything is kind of getting set up bit by bit the te- the leaping is getting closer and closer and closer uh, they know who he is, where he's going, what he's doing. The problem now is finding out where he is shooting from. Yeah, and there's uh, and there's this as 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 um as the goal moves through each stage of the day, there's this constant: when is he going to strike? When is he going to strike? When is he going to strike? Oh, he didn't strike here when the goal yeah. met with these guys. He didn't uh, strike here yet. When is he going to strike? When is he going to strike? And this is just how, like, it's basically a sort of Damocles hanging over the whole thing. Um, yeah, throughout. And it's so good at building tension because you say it's not a simple matter of we know when it's happening, we just need to know if it happens. Yeah. De Gaulle almost moves through half a day in these different locations. And every one of them, you're like, pleasurable tension, pleasurable t- Where is he? What's he going to do? And then finally, we get that, that uh, the bit where he, he's, he, he, well, it's brilliant, this bit. He, the police are everywhere at this point, yeah. on every street corner. And everyone has a photo of him. Like yeah, his name, it's, yeah, completely out there. Of it. Yeah, but by now, he's great as her. He's great as face from that tip he got from the yeah. forger, of, uh, uh, like before... swallowing some ashes or something. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. some cordite, cordite. Co- yeah. yeah, so that so he does all can, this stuff. It's fail. The medals which he purchased prior in from the a film, flea market. Yeah, 
flea market war medals um, and an old kind of battered um, uh, and we see him, I mean, we see him purchase those medals. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and that's the great thing about cause and effect in these older films. Every yeah, I mean, it's, especially in this is, one, because every every single stage of his plan is is shown in in its yeah. planning, in its planning stage, yeah. and then it's shown it's later on in in its execution. Yeah, every strand is tied. Yeah, there's no, there's no loose ends, and I like that about a film which is this inclined to ensure causality exists as it should exist. You know, yeah. every every plot device is then fulfilled. But, but and he's got his t- t- leg tucked behind him, and he's on a walking stick. Yeah, uh, so he uh, looks like, like a, he's uh, had, his, had his leg uh, amputated, and he yeah, uh, a French war veteran from um, from World War Two or from the French Resistance. Yeah. And so he meets this um, this police officer, and, uh, and we, oh, we should say um, it's Liberation Day is the yes, event that, yeah. that De Gaulle um, attends, which is the day France was freed from German occupation in World War II. Yeah, I mean, we see, we see the Parc de France at one point, don't we? See Notre Dame, we see all the you know the iconic landmarks, and, and the, yeah, the, the swell uh, of people, most notably the Arc de Triomphe, uh, oh, yeah. the Triumphal Arch, uh, and the swell of people around the, the places. Uh, how they, I mean. Up until that, because the budget for the time, I think I, I read somewhere that inflated it would be about 10, 10 million today, which is nothing at all. Yeah, um, but the military parade and all, all yeah. of it is just really, really well done. Like, like up until that point, you can see how they've got away with such a small budget because everything is um, um, small rooms, small locations. Only yeah. really the cab, really the French cab. Yeah, exactly, and and you could do that on a low budget, but the, the, you know that that parade is how they pulled that off. Um, yeah. Combining with maybe you know documentary footage, real footage, other things as well, but the way they pulled that off is, is quite impressive for the time. Um, certainly not. I mean, there were great big films in the seventies that have epic budgets and this kind of thing, but certainly not a film with this kind of moderate budget. No, yeah. Um, so that was great. So yeah, so he's he's in his disguise, and we should say throughout the film, he's pretty good at doing very slight adjustments to himself to kind of pass by. Yeah. But this is the the best one. This is like the Kaiser Soze moment, almost. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Where you go, oh my god, that that's brilliant. <laughs> like that's yeah. that is the way to get through. Yeah. Because no one's going to look at that guy and and suspect him. Like uh, not at all. Like 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 a French veteran from the French Resistance with war medals, an amputated leg, <laughs> on crutches. <laughs> yeah. So so he he manages to get past this policeman who's like, who are you? Show me your papers. I just need to. I live up there in the house. I need to go. Uh, yep, fine. Get past. Gets up there, unfoils his leg, gets the uh, the um, the rifle in pieces yeah, out and take, of the crutch. Takes out the landlady. Yeah, it takes out all that. Oh, and that as well. It's again. Yeah. It's very much like the the um, the gay guy that he. Yeah, um, absolutely. He it's just home. cold. You just have that one yeah. shot. The wall section takes her out. Done. Gone. Um, she was in the way. She was an obstacle. She's yeah. removed. Then he very methodically takes out the gun, assembles it, lines a chair up, balances, no, something else, a chair on top of a table, yeah. puts a towel down, lines everything up, and is ready to take the shot. Uh, he's got standard bullets, but for this, he's also got um, explosive bullets? Armor yeah, piercing I, or yeah something? I think they're a hollow point. Get, yeah, because he gets those six rounds, and he yeah. takes one, and he goes and practices in the woods at one point. Yeah, on watermelons, um, yeah. To wreak... Um, um, Align the site to make sure that he's, he's yeah. That's accurately. another. That's another brilliant scene. Uh, that, yeah, that whole sequence where he practices. Yeah. And again, silence. Yes, he just sets things. No up. No dialogue. No explanation. No dialogue at all. Doing. It's just show, 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 show. 
Yeah, don't yeah, tell. Never, it barely ever tells. Because there's no need to. The prologue, as you said, is the only proper tell moment in the film. Yeah. So, he sets up. He's ready. Now, about at this point, the detectives kind of know where he is. They know whereabouts he is. It's just finding the exact place. They manage to talk to the police officer. They click. They realise he's there. He takes a shot. And de Gaulle, once again, that inch we mentioned before, he ever so slightly tips his head forward. And yeah. the shot whizzes by. To kiss, kiss uh, the veteran on his cheek as he yeah. presents him with the medal. Yeah. And he's trying, and then he's reloading. And as he's reloading, of course, Leaping jumps through the room and uh, turns around and he shoots him. They're about to shoot you, and Leaping gets the shoot, shot off. Yeah. And down he goes. And then it's, it's a stark ending. Again. If you're expecting some big, bombastic, nail-biting, climactic, he was your father! No. No, no you won't get this. And, and it, it's, like we learned it's that rip. even the identity we thought we had for the Jackal is not actually yeah. his identity. Yeah, so they find the Brit who's actually called this, and then this um, police officer yeah, in the Brit. I think it is. Calthrop in his flat. He's like, what are you doing? Why are you destroyed my flat? I'm going to have a word with you about this. So we have no idea who this guy is. No. And then one of the last things we see is Lupin basically watching this guy, this this jackal, be buried in an unnamed, unmarked yeah. grave um, to be forgotten about as if he never existed. Yeah. And we And we have, as an audience, all you can do then is make your own kind of concepts about where this character came from who who, who they yeah, really who are was, what nationality are they yeah and that ambiguity is again something it that could be anybody know. yeah yeah it could be any of any of you any of us there could be an assassin anywhere you know that's the point they're trying to make but it's just such a stark way of you know having and then having lupin just walk yeah. off into the distance and especially it's just, i mean i love the fact that jack the jackal basically wins he gets the shot even for yeah. all of the interventions and yeah. the epiphanies and the investigative breakthroughs of the police, they can't stop the jackal from actually setting up and getting the shot. It's just that just, the jackal misses. Just a piece of, of luck. Pure circumstance at the time. Yeah. Just just a piece of luck in that context. Yes. Probably shouldn't have happened. And for the sec- right, for the second time, like with the first assassination attempt with the goal, like luckiest man alive. <laughs> yeah, inch, an inch away twice. Bloody ridiculous. Yeah, yeah exceptionally lucky. So I, I really liked it. Like I said, I've I've got a few minor quibbles here and there. But no, I mean I think they were fair. As an exercise in pace, in building tension, in effective use of, of visualization rather than exposition it's one of the very best films made yeah i think so certainly well i think if you're into your spy films and you want a change of pace something which isn't quite so um jumping out of a helicopter landing on the side of a building bungee roping through a window <laughs> landing a... yeah <laughs> or bones constantly moving hand hand there combat. isn't it's worth worth noting there is not a single car chase in this entire movie no, there is not. In fact, it's usually j- j- like leisurely driving. Like yeah. The only the only part when it's not in a lovely driving, Alfa Romeo. <laughs> yeah. Until it is the part when he crashes. That's probably yeah. the only um, car action moment in the entire film. But yeah, he's very leisurely um, driving around for the most part, being a stealthy based assassin as you would want him to be. But yeah, I think uh, we should also mention before we finish up that this is one of the single most faithful adaptations of a novel ever filmed. yeah it is 
It really does capture... It's not like capturing the essence of the book. It captures the beats of the book. Yeah. And that's far more difficult chapter to chapter. And just the and, attention um, to detail and the intricacies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it really it is It doesn't cut corners. Film. No. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, there's, there's one scene I would like to actually touch on. Um, yeah? That, that sort of affected me. Um, when, uh, I mean, they, they kidnap some of the members, the police or the, the French security service, rather, kidnap a couple yeah. of members of, of the OAS and torture them. Uh, under interrogation and just the scene where they like they have to transcribe the interrogation and they're listening to these screams and so forth and they're trying to make all these garbled words into actual words like that yeah yeah <laughs> just the the intricacy of that as well was uh, really compelling i thought as well well yeah because he's trying to understand he's, and then he's like what are they doing to him <laughs> yeah. and, then, and, and then he's like uh uh, uh and he's trying to repeat it and, and record it and then he's playing it back and it still ends with a scream yeah what are they yeah, yeah, that, that's a really effective scene. And again, the way it's shot from behind, yeah. so we never see the victim's face, is very interesting because it's it, you can. It's again one of those moments where rather than tr just show everything, you are given room to breathe as an audience because you're placed in the the, the seat of the victim when shot from behind. Yeah, rather than. You know, having to force emotion through that character um, um, from a forward shot, I think and you're that, not really, really and well you're done. not really shown the torture either. You have to listen to it, and you have to sort of like yeah. the guy listening to it and trying to transcribe. You have to picture and imagine what what it is they're actually doing to him. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just, if you've got two hours twenty minutes and you've got patience, just a bit of patience, this could be one of the best films you've ever seen. If that's what you're into, yeah. So I, I just I just hope people go out and, and, and take a look at this because it's um it's one of the best spy thriller movies think, ever made. I think it's certainly a must for anyone uh, getting into film or wanting to study film. Just the because, language of film, yeah, yeah, just for that and for the way it it sets up its shots and for the way it sets up the whole show not tell aspect of the movie. Well, it's easy to find if you do want to see it. Um, I rented it on Amazon. Uh, you own it, don't you? I think on Blu-ray or DVD. Uh, yeah, though I couldn't find it on DVD, so I ended up actually buying it on the Windows Store, where it's also available. At least it was oh, for me. I should have checked. Every time we do these, I normally check that, because that's where my collection is. This time I didn't. Lo and behold, yeah, typical. Yeah. Okay, well, next week, I've got a bit of a left turn. I want us to look at a James Foley film from 1992, based on a screenplay by David Mamet. It's one of the most expletive-laden films and scripts ever conceived by a human being. And that is Glengarry Glen Ross. Yeah. It's a classic. Uh, it's a classic that I think is Always overlooked. be closing. It's always be closing, man. Oh, poor Gil. If you've seen The Simpsons, <laughs> you will know where the character Gil comes from. It comes from this film. Yeah. Uh, one of, probably one of Jack Lemmon's finest roles. It really is. Yeah, this is... It's an... It's not an underrated film, but it's an overlooked film. And it often gets lost in conversations. And I, I just really wanted to see it. It's got some amazing performances. Ed Harris is in it, top of his game. Alec Baldwin is frighteningly good when he comes into yeah. it. Jack Lemmon is, as Silver said, I think probably his best role of any role. And he's been in some wonderful roles in his time. Yeah, Al Pacino is more or less just Al Pacino. Al Pacino's being Al Pacino because that's Al Pacino. Especially from that moment forward, yeah. yeah. It's like after Godfather, he just decided it's going to be Al Pacino from now on. And uh, Kevin Spacey as well, isn't it? So it's, it's got an amazing cast. It's basically about four salesmen who try to outdo each other 
in really cruel ways there's, and it's about well, they're, capitalism they're so, they, survival they get they get confronted with a sales competition where um, yeah the winner gets a set of steak knives the loser gets sick sacked uh, yeah and they're all vying over these contracts it's uh, just yeah. we'll get to it next week but it's such a good film so yeah that has been the last we will be back next week Make sure you follow us. Talk to us in the comments because, you know, we love talking about film. We do it every Absolutely. week and there's a reason we do it. Please take part in these... the discussion. Yeah, these, these obscure films are kind of our lifeblood, I think. It's what keeps us going from the uh, mundanity of seeing another Hollywood film and its same beats yeah. and its same you know, effects and the same narrative you've seen a thousand times. These are the gems that, well, they, they provide weight in, in an often otherwise uh, less than weighty uh, modern era of film. But hey, Right, thank you so much for watching. This has been the Last Edit Podcast. I have been Citizen Sleeve. This has been Silver Hawkins. And we shall see you very soon. Take care.